Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Lifetime Value. I'm your host, Rithik. Today, my guest, David Pacheco, is one of the most interesting engineering friends I've ever had. His CV speaks for itself as he has traversed through big tech companies like Oracle, to fintechs like Confio and Craig Justo, to banks like Santander. Currently, he's a VP of engineering at RapiPay, helping Rapi expand into the banking sector and help millions of unbanked Mexicans become banked. Today, he is here to explain his journey into fintech as an engineer, his experience as an entrepreneur, and how Rapi is here to help Mexicans, and discuss some very important future trends that he's observing within the fintech sector. So without further ado, please help me welcome David. Hello, Ritik. Thank you for that kindly introduction, you know? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking time out to speak with me today. I'm extremely excited to, to speak to you and, and discuss all these interesting things that we've mentioned. You know, I was just going through your LinkedIn profile and I saw all the amount of work that you've done and, and such a young age and you're already the, the VP of engineering at Rapi Pay and you've also exited a, a startup before as an entrepreneur yourself. So, you know, I'm very excited to speak with you. Um, why don't you start us off by explaining your career path and, and how you ended up at Rapi? Yeah, for sure. I think that we have like too many learns, like we have like live in the past, you know, between, mm -hmm. between us. But I can start like uh, talking to you a little bit about how I start in my career as a software engineer. I, mm -hmm. I joined Oracle as a fresh graduate with those uh, recruiting, university recruiting that uh, you used to go in the university, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I decided to actually join uh, to Oracle. And I remember that uh, at that point of time, I was like, uh, I was not decided if I want to continue my career in computer science, you know, because I always felt that mm -hmm. my real career was uh, as a doctor. <laughs> so, wow. I, yeah, and I used to have like all my papers and everything. And I already like present the, the university exam to actually study as a doctor. Mm -hmm. And when Oracle told me that I was one of the uh, people that will be joined uh, his like in in, her, in their next batch, mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's probably a, a good opportunity because uh, from my generation, I guess like only three people joined to wow. Oracle at that point of time. So, uh, and one of those was uh, was me. So. That, that was the reason that I started uh, my career on, on the computer side of stuff. And for me, Oracle is a better uh, company with true values. Uh, they treat very, very well the engineers. Uh, mm -hmm. If you are like, uh, and if it's your first job as an engineer, it's, it's a very good like company in which you can learn a lot how big tech companies used to work in software, you know? Correct. Yeah, and then I decided to join Confio that I, I met you there yeah. uh, and was kind of fun. Like <laughs> I decided to actually uh, join my career as an, uh, uh, as a little startup engineer and I decided to put my career on the fintech stuff. Mm -hmm. And then as you mentioned, I decided to leave Confio because I 
I have like this new opportunity with one of my friends to uh, start building our own company. And prior that, uh, I also have like a, a new uh, a new role in consulting services in Oliver Wyman. So correct. Uh, yeah, totally different. But at the end, I I joined my career as a fintech. And I enjoy being on the fintech uh, ecosystem. And I decided to join big banks, as you mentioned, at Santander, uh, mm -hmm. because the people that I met at Santander is why I'm here at Rappi right now. Wow. That's a little bit about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> very, I mean, that, that's so impressive because yeah. <laughs> it, it's so impressive, you know, and it's such a short period of time. And I kind of feel like a lot of people would have spent, I don't know, their lives trying, having worked at all these different experiences, you know, entrepreneur, fintech bank and then now at a at a very successful like a, a unicorn fintech now leading a bunch of engineers yourself so it's it's, it's very interesting i mean I, i'm very fascinated and one of the very few engineers that i've met who has that sort of uh, business angle and also like the the technical chops to back up what you're saying. So that immediately leads me to the first question that I have for you is that, you know, you've, you've worked in a small startup. Like when we were at Confio, it was just two desks, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and, and also, I was like, uh -huh. and I was like a very fresh engineer, you know, even That's like true. I, I have already like three years of experience at Oracle. Yeah. I think that at Confio, I, I didn't know like everything that I should know to actually join as a senior engineer on the startup, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah exactly. But yeah. I was figuring out at that point of time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've also had the experience of working at a big software engineering firm or a bank. So my question is, you know, what is, what is the difference uh, between an engineer in a startup and an engineer at a big, uh, either a software company or a bank, for example? Yeah, I mean, in a bank was different because I, I wasn't like a, an engineer or a hands-on engineer. I, mm -hmm. I was more on the role as uh, on the management team. Okay. So, so, so that, that's different, but, but I can tell you a little bit about how a bank uh, is like, trying to get into these new agile methodologies and all that stuff. It. It, it's kind of, it's kind of fun, okay. but, but for example, working on a big tech company as an Oracle and the difference as a startup, I guess that the startup has uh, their own idea about how tech should be, you know, okay. about how, about how is the role, uh, the tech role in the company, because probably a startup see tech, uh, tech area as a just like as a factory as a software factory but probably there are, there are another startups that looked uh, that looks tech as uh, like the backbone of the company you know like mm -hmm. Rappi like Confio for example those companies seem like uh, the backbone of the company is tech and, and the engineers has like a very uh, important role on the company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in Oracle I think that you have an important role but sales also have an important role because yep. you are actually making the product that the salespeople is going to like actually sell, you know? Yeah. So, but at the end you have like a very, a career path, very like defined in a big tech company and it's very, very organized. And in a startup, it's totally different. 
I mean, mm. <laughs> it doesn't matter like what is your career path. You yeah. at the time that you join, probably it will change in the next six months, and mm -hmm. probably also it will change in the next year. What I was like looking on a startup was actually how can I grow in a very fast way? Yep. How can I grow my career? How can I like put like asteroids on my career? You know? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. How can I learn about? Uh, at that point of time, I I was a backend engineer. So yep. how can I learn uh, frontend engineer? How can I learn mm -hmm. data engineer? And, and I also joined in Confio as a data engineer one when I was like backend engineer. So and and that was kind of fun. I decided like yeah, probably I could learn that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but but I noticed that the whole knowledge that I have and the whole like school that I have in in my in my past was like actually, uh, I think that I success at Confio, I guess. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I, and, and I remember like uh, when you joined and then just, I would say like within the first month even, the things that you were starting to help us do was something that perhaps you were struggling to do for like three, four months, you know? And, and uh, I remember like how quickly like what you wanted to do, I, I kind of feel like you kind of got out of it as well because I remember you grew really fast within the company as well. Um, if, if let's say somebody is planning to join, you know, right out of college, um, if you had to choose, you know, would you go straight into a startup or would you recommend somebody going to like a big software engineering firm like Oracle, kind of have that structure first and then jump into a startup? Oof, that, that's a... Uh... An interesting <laughs> question that I that I normally ask myself, <laughs> but but I would recommend that you should join a startup if the CTO is like having this big tech school, you know, mm. because probably you are going to learn a lot of of that guy, mm -hmm. uh, and he has like the whole knowledge and all stuff. But if you are joining a startup which none of the founders uh, are technical guys. And they mm -hmm. want to actually try to figure out how, how can they actually make the tech company. And they are asking you for probably a web page some one day and another they are asking you for introduce a payment gateway or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, probably is not the best idea to join that startup, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I would recommend if you are planning to start your career on a startup, go for a very like mature startup like Confio, Ray Justo or... Pizza, for example, for me, it's like a, a great company as well. Interesting. Very if well not, said. Yeah. Yeah. If not, go, uh, you, you, you should go to the, like, the normal path. Like you can join Oracle, Facebook, Amazon, wherever you want. Mm -hmm. Which also leads me to the next question and something that you were talking about earlier, you know, that you were a back-end engineer and then there's front-end, there is full stack. These are all terms that, you know, a lot of people use in startups, but perhaps our listeners who are not part of this world won't know. Like, what is a back-end engineer? What is a front-end engineer? What is a full-stack engineer, for example? Yeah, of course. I mean, in very like simple terms, the yeah. back-end engineer is to actually make the things happen when mm -hmm. you didn't know. <laughs> and okay. the front-end engineer is who actually triggers the things that should happen, you know? The front okay. engineer is basically what you are seeing that the, the people see, the, the okay. UI interface. That, that's the front engineer. 
and the backend engineer is actually make like the whole logic and the whole things should be connected to actually make a transaction, for example. You you didn't notice that because you just select mm. the uh, you just select the the variables and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. but behind that there is a whole of systems that connects connects itself to actually make you like allows you to make a transaction. So that's that's it. basically that. And the role of data engineer is very fun because I think that at point of time that I joined Confio, it wasn't like very famous in Mexico, you know? I mm -hmm. remember that Paco and I was reading like a blog from Airbnb about mm -hmm. how data engineers can help the, com can help the company. Uh -huh. uh, and Paco told me like, I think that your role is a data engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay, and I yeah. Like, yeah, probably my role is data engineer. <laughs> and wow. that, that's why I end up with, with that title but basically the data engineer is the, the guy who who is in charge of the of the data and okay. allows like all the people can consume the same data in a very fast way or in the way that it should be like optimized for the whole system that's basically a data engineer and, and a data engineer help, can help every company that you can imagine it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's a fintech or it's not, but mm -hmm. imagine that you have tons of transactions, tons of payments, how mm -hmm. you can process that, how you are going to store that, how mm -hmm. you can allow the financial, the financial guys to get to that data in a real-time way, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's the role of the data, the data engineer guy. Excellent. It's, it's a very important role. And, and probably most of the companies in Mexico no, they are not thinking like they need it. But mm -hmm. when I joined the company, I see like, guys, you need a data engineering mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amazing. And what is a full stack engineer and what, what is a technical product manager? Well, a full stack is like a guy who actually knows everything, but he didn't know like everything at the same time, <laughs> you know? Got it. Got it. Okay. Like a generalist. Yeah. Yeah, so, like a generalist, like okay. can get you like, like he can jump in every like situation or every mm -hmm. like business solution that you want to actually develop. So mm -hmm. they can jump like very fast in that in that solution. But they, but that guy is not like a subject matter expert on back end or front end. So got it. Yeah, and actually, if you are planning to start your startup, probably you should hire tons of full stacks and not just front end or back end because you don't know like what is the actual people that you are going to need for, for your end uh, system, you know? Yeah. You can have the idea, but you, but you don't know. And the thing, well, yeah. yeah, and the thing about Product Manager is very fun because <laughs> I actually, it, it was like kind of the same at Confio. Mm -hmm. I, I remember that I was talking with the CEO, with the CTO at Crefusto, Aaron. <laughs> Mm -hmm. A super nice guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he told me like, what do you want to do in your in your career? Like, do you want to join Crecusto as a back end or as a front end? Tell me. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I was like, no, probably I don't want to actually be so hands-on on the code because okay. I think that I've been already like five years on that. Yeah. Uh, I remember that I was like just exiting my company and I said like, I think that I should learn product, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I'm very technical for product. He told uh... me like, like, you are very technical for product. And I was like, yeah, I'm very technical for product. And I was like, why 
can I do like uh, technical product management? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. amazing. And, and that sums up startups, I think, in my opinion. Like all these roles that come up and you're always confused. Like what, is, what, what does that even mean? But usually you're just solving a problem. And then the title is just there because it's, it, you need a title. Right. I, I kind of feel sometimes with exactly that technical product manager. <laughs> yeah. Role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You, you shouldn't chase the title in a startup. Yeah. You just like be focused on your on your work, you know, and actually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and having like just make sure that your work have an impact on in the startup. Excellent. Right. Yeah. And that leads me to the next question as well, which is that, you know, some people have this idea and I kind of feel like there's, there's these schools of thoughts within um, the startup world that you don't really need to know how to code in order to be an entrepreneur or you don't really need to be technical at all in order to be very successful at creating and scaling and launching, etc. And, and you being somebody who has a lot of uh, technical skills, engineering skills, and you have actually sold a company before or exited out of a, a startup before. How do you feel about that? I mean, do you think it's becoming more important with time? Do you think it's two different things? Do you think it's important to have that kind of technical skills? Well, what's your opinion on that? I mean, it depends on the company. You know, like probably if the company is, you are selling software, it's mm-hmm. very difficult that you you want to actually build a software and sell that software if you uh, don't have the knowledge about the technical stuff of your software and you are not solving the actual problem with that. So, but for sure you don't need to have like any coding skills for okay. start for start a company. I mean, you can learn it. Uh, mm. You can just like show YouTube videos about how can I do a web page, and you can oh, yeah. start with that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you should focus on your MVP. I would say that like focus on your MVP, focus on build your MVP, and then with more money, probably <laughs> you mm-hmm. can just like uh, partner with a with a technical guy. But always looking for a partnership more than hire someone, you know. Got it. Got it. If you are not technical, it's better having this kind of partnership with a guy that it looks like it's very technical. And that for me is like the, the recipe for startups. Excellent. Now, changing track a bit, um, Rapi Pay. You know, first of all, congratulations on this amazing credit card that you guys have launched. And, you know, the reviews are outstanding. Most of the people that uh, I know that are using it are, are in love with it. And obviously you being the VP of engineering at, at Rapi Pay, you had a big hand in making this a successful launch. So I kind of wanted to get, you know, your, your opinion as to how your journey has been within Rapi Pay so far. And the second question was, you know, you're now competing with this explosion of all these new banks like Fondadora, Klar, Albo, what are the some advantages you think Rappi is bringing or how are you guys different from these guys? Yeah, I think that we are very different because we already have a platform and mm-hmm. we are already have a, a very strong user base. Okay. Even if you love Rappi or hate Rappi, probably you are going to use it, you know, because there are certain things that you can always find on Rappi. Um, 
that you cannot find on Uber Eats and the other mm -hmm. platforms. Mm -hmm. So what we are trying to accomplish at Rappi is actually create like an ecosystem and just one stop shop for everything. Mm -hmm. So how we can like actually uh, having this punch uh, on, on the application and for our user is actually becoming like a, a very like a strong fintech, you know? Mm -hmm. So we already saw kind of the problems. We are also getting into the e-commerce. We are getting into the travel. Mm -hmm. So how we can just don't get it to the actual financial stuff. So uh, Rappi, uh, and this is a kind of funny story because Rappi started uh, like the, their fintech journey a while ago with the yep. Rappi Kritos. Correct. And they find, well, I mean, they found like it was a, a way to actually return your money uh, very fast without waiting for the actual bank to, mm -hmm. to return your money. So that's, that's the reason why we start with, uh, with the rapid crates. And then mm -hmm. you can imagine that right now that we are launching the credit card and all that stuff, we can having like the whole ecosystem and you can spend your money and have it more benefits if you are using our own product and you, you don't need the bank anymore because mm -hmm. Rappi is going to give you everything and all of the services that you probably can imagine. We are also working on that. So we have like a strong ambition and we want actually to reduce the gap in Latin and, and also in Mexico uh, of the people that uh, doesn't have like any bank, you know? Yep. They don't have any yep. bank, yeah. Yep, yep. And, and how has your personal journey within Rappi Pay been? It was, I mean, uh, joining at Rappi, it's mm -hmm. like joining like a Formula One car, you know? That, <laughs> yeah. That, that is already moving. So yeah. and you need to jump. And you need to jump in. It's <laughs> a very and, good analogy. <laughs> yeah. And you jump in and then someone asks you like, how about if you can just like be the driver of this car? And you say like, <laughs> okay, but I didn't know like, how can I, I get into, you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's it's been a, an amazing journey about how you don't have. I mean, Rap is already a big company, but mm -hmm. uh, you you can imagine that everyone in the company has this rush about how we can move faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And that's and that's kind of the one of the strong values of Rappi. And mm -hmm. for me, uh, the Prior Rappi, Rappi, I was at Santander, so yep. it was like a bump, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I need, and also in Rappi, you need to be very hands-on with everything. You you just don't wait. Wow. <laughs> Everyone at Rappi hates that you wait for something to happen. You know, mm -hmm. if you can do it while you are not doing, it doesn't matter if you are a VP. Uh, it's supposed that you can code, right? So yeah. just do it. <laughs> nice. And that, again, is also a very important cornerstone or pillar in the startup world, I feel, that you just mentioned, you know. Everything is your job and also nothing is your job, you know. It uh, doesn't matter if you're VP or uh, analyst or whatever. If there's some, a problem to be solved, you have to attack it and you have to do it, right? That, that, it's a very important concept that you mentioned as well. Yeah, definitely. The, the only difference is that you just probably you are going to make in more decisions mm -hmm. uh, than if you have in like a different role, uh, but just that. Interesting. And 
you know, before we move on to the next section, what are some interesting trends that you're seeing or, you know, you're obviously somebody who spent a lot of time in this industry and have a lot of network. What, what is something that interests you or excites you about fintech in the future? Oh, of course, I guess like inclusion. Like mm-hmm. there are like few options in Mexico to actually uh, are focused on inclusion. Okay. How, how can you get like the people having not just like a car? Okay. It's, it's more than that, just like a credit card or a product, even like any, any credit product. For me, that's, that's like uh, the next step. And probably we are going to see here in Mexico some of, the, of these credit builders that uh, I think in the last YC batch, there were like four or five uh, credit builders for United States. I think that it just, yeah, I think that it's just uh, kind of like in a short period of time, we are going to see like this new wave. Also, okay. I think that we are going to see waves in the SME neobanks because you probably know better than mm-hmm. me that it's just an area that everyone wants to explore, like mm-hmm. breaks in, in the United States. So mm-hmm. probably we will see something like that. Interesting. Um, yeah, for me, those, and, and I think that there are like tons of opportunities uh-huh. uh, here in LATAM that we are not seeing, you know? I learned that uh, working in a bank because the bank, or probably most of the banks, used to work with these like big companies with all, all their uh, technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of time as, as we see like there are new payment processors as Galileo that we see like probably companies that are solving in a new way the, the problems that the bank didn't know or doesn't know that uh, it has, you know? Mm-hmm. I just wanted to sort of take a step back. You know, you mentioned about financial inclusion at the beginning and also that uh, the latest batch of Y Combinator saw three or four credit builders in the US. I have two follow-up questions. You know, what is a credit builder, number one? And number two, you know, if these guys are already getting a, you know, the first mover advantage, how would it be different if, let's say, there's a Mexican credit builder versus like a, the one in the U.S.? Uh, how would a Mexican one be uh, more robust or or more localized in that sense as compared to the somebody who could just, you know, take all of their experience in another market and come to Latin America? Well, the first question was, what what is a credit builder? Basically, when you are young and mm-hmm. you don't have like access to any card or you don't have like any a credit mm-hmm. card mm-hmm. it's very difficult because uh, actually the bank is asking you to having like a credit card to give you another credit card you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and it's the same like how can i get a, a credit card if you are asking me to already have a one so yeah. a credit bu- builder basically wants to solve that gives you the opportunity to start building your score just your score that allows you to having like a credit card when you are like more older. Understood. Got it. Yeah. Perhaps to summarize, you know, the difference between Mexico and the U S in terms of the system and the infrastructure for credit builders, for example, I think that you need to understand your market, you know, because right now in Mexico, uh, the average of a credit card that the people or or a person has, it's very low. True. Probably it's, it's uh, lower than one. So yes. I think that you need to focus in actually that bridge, like uh, 
understand the people and understand why the credit is not bad at mm -hmm. the end mm -hmm. and actually gives you all the tools to to these people to they don't even care if the credit is good or bad you can allow you and you can be on the journey for, for this credit you know and in terms of what i should focus in, if i was like a, a new joiner on this i think yeah. that probably trying to build a cool product just that got it, got it. Very i think that in mexico uh -huh. we, we need more cool products you know yes. like, yeah yeah i, agree. I mean we, we are good there are like tons of founders with uh, with backgrounds uh, in big banks and big companies and that stuff but they are mm -hmm. not like having like this men uh, this mentality in which you need to actually build cool products mm -hmm. like slack or something like that you know yeah yeah completely agree with that as well it's a very interesting observation um now moving to the next section called payback period where the guest asks the host a question so david which what question do you have for me today i think that the same last question what what <laughs> do you see or, or what do you expect for 2021 in the fintech uh, environment yeah. That, that's a very good question. Um, a lot of times, most people ask me what I think about the next five years, but I like, you know, just next year. And that's how quickly I feel that the startup world moves as well, that even one year you can see like some sort of a trend forming or a trend starting and then decreasing and not existing anymore. I kind of feel like there'll be the, the continued pressure of COVID, et cetera is going to force a lot more people online. Even if they don't want to be online, they don't have a choice. So like all these companies like Husto, Amazon, uh, online retailers, for example, they're going to be seeing a massive explosion. I feel that there, there should be a bigger push here in Mexico, especially for more entrepreneurs to focus on online retail. One thing that I feel that can really be better is the online shopping experience like you know all these walmarts liverpool uh, yeah. even gaia they have like a pretty decent portal but having shopped online i never feel 100 percent secure as to what i'm buying and then something once you like, buy uh -huh. yeah something like a stitch, uh, stitch fix or something like that <laughs> exactly exactly and i feel that one brand that i'm in love with is asos which is in the uk mm. And I yeah. get a lot of my clothes from there uh, and they deliver to Mexico, which is great. But then I feel that there should be a local player here. And like, just like you said, you know, it needs to be cool. It needs to be easy to use and it needs to have that sort of pride behind it. You know, I kind of feel like a lot of the online portals, like if you go to Walmart's portal, especially, <laughs> it, it just feels like it was made by somebody who just got out of college you know, didn't really put a lot of pride into it. It just exists. You know, yeah. you don't feel like you're having a great user experience, even if it's simple. It just looks like meh. You know, but if, <laughs> when you go to ASOS's portal, you're like, wow, you genuinely want to buy the clothes because they have such a creative way of presenting the clothes. All the articles have a very nice, cool write up about it. And they like, they understand that the user is worried about, is it going to fit me? Like, you know, if, if something is different, can I easily return? Not a problem. Yeah. Like, the return policy is very clear and very transparent and very flexible. Like these kind of things, you know, here, if let's say, I don't know, I order something 
And then it arrives and I'm like, I go back, even with Palacio, I go back and I tell them, hey, uh, I don't like it. The return is going to take like five months. And then my money, I, I have no idea when my money is going to come back, which is such yeah. a pain I feel right now. So I, yeah. I feel that those guys need to, there needs to be something that to plug that in for sure. But we're already seeing some of these kind of intents here in Mexico. Okay. Like, like having like the next houses work for Latam, but probably, uh -huh. as you mentioned, they are not focused on the experience and the cool things that actually a guy who is uh, looking for buy something online yeah. is actually like thinking about it, you know? Correct. Correct. And, and as you mentioned, the experience is, it's not just like, how can you open <laughs> the mm -hmm. box yeah. it's more like that how you can buy it how you can look it at the product correct. and and obviously how you can return the product correct that's so true uh, and, and that's like one aspect and i feel like the, the other aspect is obviously the the fintech aspect of uh, the banks neobanks for example i think there'll be more neobanks coming in I think 2021 would be too early to decide if there's going to be a front runner or front runners. I think because of COVID, almost anybody can do it, you know, and maybe get a few users, a few thousand users by giving away um, just the basic user experience and how do I say a lot of free money in that sense and just can get users. But only when things start going back to normal, when they're looking for the next round of funding, when they're looking for that explosive growth or consolidation, that's when a lot of these guys either may merge or may sort of run out of operations or be bought over by somebody. That's when things will really start disrupting. I think that hasn't happened yet because a lot of them are still like, oh, we raise our seed funding. We raise our series A. So, you know, they have a lot of money for relatively low number of users. But once that user growth starts bursting through the ceiling, they're going to need more money. And that's when the most important thing will come out. Are you profitable? How is your road to profitability looking like? How can you sustain this growth? The real tough questions beyond just the, can you provide the basic banking experience with a lot of perks. Yeah. And do you think that we are going to have like newcomers like Nubank, but we are going to have like N26, Revolut or Monzo or? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think especially company like Revolut, uh, the good thing is that, you know, coming from Singapore where Revolut is just taking over the market on a, on a, almost on a daily basis, you know, they're releasing something new almost on a monthly basis. Uh, it, it's very impressive, you know, and, and yeah. the way they have taken over Asia, I'll be surprised if they don't make an attack on Latin America because the opportunity is so massive here, especially for a company that is constantly pushing new boundaries and their success has already been sort of cemented in Asia. I I've definitely foresee these guys making a play here. That would be like an interesting battle, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to the point, you know, you need to understand the market. And I feel yeah. like that's where, that's where it'll, it'll really come down to do the local neobanks understand the market or do the foreign players somehow understand it better than we do? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that most of the, or a big amount of the investors don't know about the market, you know, about Correct. the Mexican market, about the culture that it's Correct. very important. Correct. Like, 
how how we have these like stunning numbers about inclusion that yeah. everyone wants to actually having like this piece of or think that it's a piece of cake you know like yeah but yeah. And, and yeah because in numbers it's like a massive opportunity that everyone wants wants to take it yes so true i would love to keep talking about this but unfortunately we'll have to we'll have to wrap up here um before we end you know i wanted to ask you do you have any advice for future entrepreneurs or engineers who are looking to make a switch towards startups or who are getting out of college yeah just for engineers i guess like don't be afraid of uh, moving from your comfort zone that that was that that would be my my only advice so trying to learn new things even that is not your expertise area excellent very very good point david it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today i can't wait to have you back when you know rapi pay has released a bunch of other very interesting products and we can have a whole episode talking about that as well thank you so much for taking time out and you know you can reach david on his linkedin which i'll include it in in the post for this podcast thank you so much again for coming thanks thanks to you and this was lifetime value